Time for a bit of soccer. Time for a bit of football of the round ball variety. Time for the beautiful game with a British twist. Welcome to EPL Junkie. Hi everyone, welcome to EPL Soccer Junkies, part of the USA Today podcast network. I'm Martin Rogers, joined as always by the soccer diva Sophie Nicolau. We have a special guest coming up on the show this week, Rebecca Lowe, host of NBC's award-winning English Premier League coverage. We'll get right to Rebecca in just a minute, but all thoughts and chit-chat in England this week, Sophie, is about the book that's just come out with uh, Sun journalist Rob Beasley, uh, all about Jose Mourinho. Certainly spice things up a bit for the weekend, doesn't it? It's gotten off to a bit of a shaky start at Manchester United. Oh, oh no, absolutely no question. And, and things looking pretty good not so long ago, suddenly on, uh, uh, definitely not on a firm foot. And we do have Rebecca on the line now. Rebecca, thanks for joining us. Uh, big weekend of, of Premier League action coming up. And all talk this week seems to be about Mr. Mourinho. He's got a book that's, uh, that's come out and it's generated quite a stir uh, in, uh, in English Premier League circles, hasn't it? Yeah, it certainly has, Martin. And uh, I was talking to some of the guys on my show earlier on today about that. We're definitely going to touch that on that tomorrow because, as you say, it's dominating the headlines. What's so interesting about this book is the timing of its release. Now, I don't know a lot about publishing books, but I don't think you can just publish them within a few weeks. So the timing has been almost perfect for the journalists involved in writing the book because the spotlight has been on Mourinho the last few weeks, hasn't it, anyway? Um, it's not an authorised book, so I'm not sure what his mm. feelings are. It sounds to me like it's a transcript, essentially, of private conversations at his first and second stint at Chelsea, which hmm, is interesting. I can't believe he'll be particularly impressed because it's going to be splashed all over Daily Mail tomorrow. But, wow, it makes great reading for us and great topics of conversation. And what a position he's in now, how he needs a victory tomorrow against Leicester City. He, he really does. He's talked a lot about various topics. Arsene Wenger has been one of the, the more highly publicised topics, if you like, in the book. Well, we already knew that these two didn't like each other too much, and, and, and a bit more information about that has come out. How do you think Wenger's going to take all this? He's been around for such a long time. Is it going to bother him at all? Well, I think I've seen a couple of quotes come out um, in the last few minutes after his press conference in the UK, sort of saying that he won't be reading the book and that he's not in a destructive <laughs> mood, he's in a constructive mood. I mean, I can't for one second think he'd be sitting down at his plush mansion in North London with Jose Mourinho um, and the new book. I can't imagine that's going to happen. I don't think he's got any time for the guy. But I also think with Wenger, as much as he can get wound up by Mourinho, with each passing year, especially in Mourinho struggling at the moment, um, I just don't see Wenger caring as much. And, you know, that, that, that rivalry was so Chelsea-Arsenal. It wasn't, it was never so much, um, I mean, it was Arsenal, it was Arsenal against Jose as well, but it was also that awful record that Arsenal have against Chelsea. And part of that was wrapped up in this whole situation. Now that Mourinho's not at Chelsea, um, I sort of feel like it's kind of been slightly diluted and there are other rivals around. And Mourinho at the moment isn't, isn't getting the results. So, Rebecca, I think they both have really big weekends. Um, you know, Mourinho coming off three losses. Yes, they had the win in the EFL uh, during this week. Uh, Wenger playing Chelsea, as you said, they haven't beaten Chelsea since 2011 uh, at Stamford Bridge. 5-3 was that result. Who do you think needs this win this weekend more, Mourinho or Wenger, especially considering Mourinho's antics that kind of are bubbling under um, already at Manchester United? I think if you're looking at Manchester United against Leicester and Arsenal against Chelsea, who needs it more? 
it has to be Mourinho. I mean, Arsene Wenger, it's such a strange one with Arsenal. I feel like they've won their last three, so this is what happens with Arsenal. They win three, okay, we'll just take the pressure off for a little bit. Then they'll go in on a bad run and everyone will be like, get Wenger out. So at the moment, Wenger's doing okay. Only okay. I don't think that Anyone has talked, Sophie, this season about Arsenal winning the league. And I think that's the biggest worry where mm. Arsenal fans and Arsenal Bengals are concerned. Because even though not everyone had them down in the past five years or ten years to win it, they were in the conversation. I don't feel like they're even in the conversation this season. And that's a concern. Um, but for me, Jose Mourinho needs the victory. If they were to lose against Leicester and Claudio Ranieri, and he would go three league defeats in a row, um, I think only the second time in his career, the other time was last year against Chelsea. And that pressure is going to be ramped up even more. So for me, hands down, Mourinho needs this win more. It would be a worrying trend for them, wouldn't it, Rebecca? Because things got away from Mourinho so quickly during his time at Chelsea, perhaps in a way that no one really saw coming. I think there'll be some United fans who are looking at this a little bit nervously, who, who maybe a month ago were feeling pretty good about things and, and now starting to perhaps uh, wonder if this was quite the right move after all. Well, this is what's so strange, Martin. I can't work out what happened to Jose Mourinho. And I'm not talking just about the last three defeats. I'm talking about the last two years. And it, it feels like he's changed. Now, I've read a lot from a lot of people who know a lot more about him than I in the past week. And people are talking about how Real Madrid changed him as a person and the bitterness that was embroiled between him and Guardiola over there with the Barcelona game and just generally working at that club changed him. Now, I don't know if that's true, but something's changed because this is not the guy of 10 years ago. And, you know, the public criticism of his players. Yeah, he. I remember he criticised Joe Cole 10 years ago and he got a response. But that was a one-off. And people criticised him for doing that, but actually he got a good response. But still, he, that was a one-off. And also, Joe Cole never got higher in his career than when he was under Mourinho. So arguably, he, he, had, he did the right thing there. But what he's doing now with the Luke Shaw criticism and the Mkhitaryan and the Lingard mm. criticism and the general grumpiness. And I just don't feel <laughs> like... I remember when we first had the right to NBC and Mourinho was back for that first season back at Chelsea. And we were so excited that Mourinho's back, storylines every week, he's television goals. And now he comes on the camera and he's grumpy and he's miserable. And you're like, okay, enough now, enough. And I don't know what's changed. And this is one of the great mysteries. Um, and, And I just hope for his sake and for all of us that he returns to the Mourinho of old because this new Mourinho not for me. Yeah, he's he always used to fascinate us. I, I almost think that that last season at Chelsea um, has really done him a lot of damage and he's got such an ego and he would never admit it. And, and I actually think that the pressure on him is greater here in the Premier League than it was when he was facing Pep uh, when he was manager of Real Madrid in, mm. in La Liga. And I think he's being exposed. His tactics are being exposed. I think that Pep has brought a freshness. And when you see both teams at Rebecca, um, what Pep's done with some of his new players, but mm. the old players players and what Mourinho's doing, I think he's. I think he, he senses it too, which is where that's all coming from. Would you agree that maybe he's under more pressure facing Pep in the Premier League than he was in La Liga? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think, I mean, La Liga was kind of a special, unique situation. Over here in, the, in England, it's not just, well, actually, I'm in Connecticut, I'm not in England, I don't know where <laughs> I am, I'm the red light. I've got no idea where I am. But in England, um, it's a different thing because it's, he's got so many other clubs to focus on. In Spain, it was just Barcelona Real Madrid. Here, he's got to beat Guardiola, but he's also got to beat Arsenal. He's got to beat Chelsea. He's got all the other teams as well. So he's under, under so much constant pressure. But I think you're absolutely right with the Chelsea team last season seems to have really done a lot of damage. But I still don't understand like, what happened there. How, how did he go from this player that back 
2007, John Terry, Frank Lampard, these players would run through brick walls for him to last year where they basically all just departed and left him and and completely undermined him as players. I mean, you just have to look at Ed Nazard, who was terrible last year. Suddenly, oh, it's just Ed Nazard again. Well, what happened? No one still answered that. And you can't go from being a good manager to a bad manager overnight unless football has moved on so much past your tactics that it does leave you behind. And there are there are reports and there are people's views that, like you say, that maybe he is now, he's too old-fashioned and you compare him to Pep Guardiola, whose tactics, like you say, are so fresh and so um, so effective, apart from anything else, and so quickly has made an imprint on that Man City team compared to Mourinho, who has had the same amount of time and you can't see it at all. So possibly football's leaving him behind, which is a great shame. Interesting times on both sides of uh, of Manchester, Rebecca. Interesting times in London too this weekend. We spoke briefly about Arsene Wenger before. 20 years in the job, an incredible run in charge, especially when you think of how quickly uh, things turn over in the English Premier League. How do we even begin to evaluate his reign? Football was so different 20 years ago when he took charge. Uh, obviously, an incredible job that he has done. But has he won enough? Is, is there enough sort of silverware to show for those two de- decades in charge? Oh, Martin, it's just the age-old question of how do you evaluate which side mm-hmm. of the fence you fall down on when it comes to Martin Baker. With Mourinho calling him, was it last season or the season before, a success and failure, Um he, he, a specialist in failure, sorry. He's he's definitely not that. You can't be a specialist in failure with the amount of way he's won. But it is, a, again, a very weird situation where you look at it 20 years and it's neatly divided into sort of 10 years of success and 10 years of, of not so much success. I still wouldn't say failure. I think you touched on it there. When he arrived in 1996 and he followed Bruce Rio, English football was a different beast. And for many people, maybe listening to this podcast who are a lot younger than me, um, they maybe don't realise it, it, it wasn't expansive, it wasn't pretty one-touch football with triangles it was a lot of hit and hope it was hit the big man, he'll he'll hold it up and somebody will run in, it, there wasn't this Arsene Wenger style, he comes in, he does change the face and the whole attitude and the whole, um, with the whole sports science and the diet and everything gets totally overhauled, so for that I think we have to be grateful and I think Arsenal fans have to be grateful because Without him, when would that have happened and by whom? Possibly it would have happened at some stage, but he was the man that did it, so we have to tip our hat to that. Um, and he hasn't won a lot. He hasn't won the Champions League, and that's, that's a big problem. Um, and, of course, he hasn't won the league in so long. So, it's, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not an Arsenal fan, so it's, it's, <laughs> I don't have a right to evaluate it to that extent in terms of whether he's a success or failure. I suppose you can only ask an Arsenal fan. Um, so, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to say that he was he's a huge, huge addition to the Premier League. But I think his time maybe has come. And when we look back in the future, maybe it came five years ago. Well, we do have an Arsenal fan in our midst. Uh, Sophie, you want to chime in with one more for Rebecca? Uh, I think what's interesting is the way Arsenal always start the season. And Arsenal are always generally measured by what happens from March onwards. And and I just think it's very difficult to always assess the team. Granit Xhaka is really impressive. What do you think about maybe... I think the success of Arsenal this season is going to be what he chooses to do in the midfield. He likes Cazola with Coquelin. Um, and I think Granit Xhaka brings a whole other dimension to the team. I, I liken him to Xavi Alonso a lot. Um, what do you think about... What, what he's done with Granit Xhaka, the fact he's not playing him in the league. And do you think in the end that's going to be something that comes back to bite him? 
I do first. I don't really understand why he's not playing. He cost an absolute arm and a leg. Like you said, I've been so impressed with him. He's a really good player. I feel like he's the player that maybe should have bought 10 years ago. It's, it's, what, it's what the club has needed for the last 10 years. So I don't get why he's starting every single game. I think he would bring a nice balance um, to the team. So I think uh, some of these decisions by Wenger these days baffle people. And I can't... And you think, well, he's a genius and he's a professor and he must have a reason. But as the years go by, these decisions are starting to get a little bit inexplicable. And I think Granite Xhaka is exactly that. You bought him for $45 million. Why are you not playing him? I don't get it. He says he's not ready yet. What? what how? He, he just thought like he, he is ready. Whenever he plays, he looks ready. Just play him first. <laughs> great, great stuff, Rebecca. Thank you very much. We know you've got to run, but uh, uh, we'll look forward to tuning in this weekend on NBC's coverage of the English Premier League and for the rest of the season. Thanks, as always, for joining us. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks, Rebecca. Great stuff there from Rebecca and uh, definitely some mouthwatering action coming up this weekend. We haven't spoken much about Manchester City, but they are flying high at the top of the table and look very, very difficult to stop at the minute. They're going to be at Swansea, uh, one of the uh, 10 a.m. kickoffs on Saturday. Manchester United v Leicester uh, kicking things off with the early game on Saturday. Bournemouth v Everton, Liverpool v Hull, Tottenham travelling to Middlesbrough, Stoke hosting West Brom. They're in all sorts of trouble. Uh, Sunderland against Crystal Palace. And Arsenal v Chelsea. The big one, the late game on Saturday. Two clubs that don't like each other one little bit. Uh, Sunday sees West Ham v Southampton. And Monday, Burnley against Watford. Let's talk briefly about City, Sophie. Being a tremendous start to the campaign. Pep Guardiola once again being hailed as a genius. Premature or do we like what we see so far? Premature. I would like to see him. I think I mentioned last week I want to see him go through um, not having a winter break and seeing how this team does with all of the aggressive domestic. I just think the domestic cups in England, Martin, are so much more challenging than what he's he's faced in La Liga and even in Bundesliga as well. But I thought it was really funny that Gal Clichy came out and said that he was having a go at the defence, you know, and consi- <laughs> considering how well they've played, I just find his his. His eye for perfection is incredible. It really is. Yeah, I think a little bit of a tactic there to stave off sort of overconfidence perhaps, wasn't it? You know, coming off a win like that. Okay, let's find a little bit of a, a, a flaw with it just to stop the players from getting ahead of themselves. Manchester United v Leicester, a big one, of course, like we spoke about earlier on for Jose Mourinho. But it, it is big for United, isn't it? I mean, we have seen, you know, campaigns and, and attempts to win the title just sort of drift away very early. I just think that this team is still not a good team. I think that's the problem. I think everyone thought he was going to come in and be this saviour, Martin, and that he was going to turn things around overnight because Mourinho's mantra is let's buy and then let's win. But I think the core players, I mean, are you serious, Fulani in midfield? I, I just, he wouldn't even get into the Everton team right now. And I think still playing Rooney is going to come back to bite him if he continues to do that. He's got to make some tough decisions. Look, this is the guy who dropped Casillas, the legend of all legends in Spanish football. Why is he continuing and insisting on playing a very poor Rooney when every single person who's watching football right now, even my mum could see that Rooney needs to be dropped? 
I think he desperately needs Rooney to turn it around because I don't think he he feels that he's got um, you know an adequate replacement. I think he has it in his mind you know what Rooney is capable of. Remember, this is a player that he he did try to buy uh, on at least two occasions and looked like very much like he was going to get him at one point um, when he was at Chelsea. And did you remember that game? And I, I think it was twenty thirteen. When they were going to buy, when it looked like Chelsea, you know, were going to buy Rooney. Rooney really had the choice, pretty much, in his hands whether he was going to stay or not. And and Chelsea effectively played a match to start a season without a striker, and it was really a message to Rooney: come here, and we have a guaranteed, you know, place and position for you. And and, and Rooney still didn't buy it. But but there's something about Rooney that that Mourinho has long admired. And if that quality has now gone, I don't think Mourinho realises it yet. Yeah, I mean, you know, Angelina Jolie admired Brad Pitt for a long time and Ooh. that's ended in that's ended in tears, <laughs> hasn't it? I, I just I think that sometimes we really want great players to just be great all the time. And everything has a sell by date. And I I feel like Wayne Rooney, I'm not saying he's washed up. But right now he's playing like he should maybe be playing for Nottingham Forest in the championship as opposed to Manchester United in the Premier League. And I find it kind of sad in so many ways. And I always wonder, did Rooney take care of himself the way some other players took care of themselves? You know, he was a little bit Jack Wilshire in him. He had some bad press for some time. He was a smoker as well. hes I know he's a stocky guy, Martin, but I'm not sure if he really took care of himself as an athlete should who's playing uh, at that level. I don't know. Well, first of all... Uh, I think we know Mourinho is more of a Jennifer Aniston fan. (laughs) (laughs) That much came out in Rob Beasley's book. No, here's what I think it is about Rooney. And I think think a little bit harsh, and here's why. You have to remember, this is a guy who was playing in the Premier League and performing at a high level at 16 years of age. He was playing in the England team and in the Premier League and in the Champions League at 17 years of age. So he's had this much longer career span, if you like. So his body, perhaps, is, if it's the body of an older man or an older player it's simply because he's been playing at that level for such a long time remember you know he played a starring role at Euro 2004 you know that that's that, that that's all those cycles ago that's 12 years ago 13 seasons ago um so i think that might be part of it but yeah it is perplexing i mean when you see uh, someone put together like a, a a funny but sort of sad collage video of uh, of rooney's performance last week and and you know, some of the you know, just the missteps were were frankly embarrassing and what you'd expect from uh, from a far weaker player um almost time for us to to get out of here but uh, let's talk briefly about Liverpool and, and, and Jurgen Klopp. He certainly seems to have injected some energy into that club. The players, without any doubt, seem to be responding to him. Um, we, we like Klopp's energy, don't we? It, it certainly seems to be having the, the desired effect at this moment in time. One of the things that, I, as an Arsenal fan, you look at the sidelines sometimes and you see Steve Bolden Wenger, and it looks like they're ready for you know to go get their pension. And then you look on the sideline and you see Conti and you see Klopp, and that energy is just infectious. The way they are with their players, the way he celebrates goals. Okay, sometimes it can be a little bit over the top, but I think that we need stuff like that in the Premier League. I think he has brought a certain energy. Um, the, the the game against Chelsea, Henderson's goal last. Last week, what a screamer! I mean, that was a beauty, and they own that game. And that was the first time I think Conti 
also took a step back, Martin, and said, aye, aye, okay, there's a lot more work to do here perhaps than he than he had even thought. You know, they're playing Hull this weekend. They've never lost a home game to Hull. They've actually given Hull their biggest defeat ever in the Premier League too. Um, back in 2009, they lost 6-1. So uh, I think Liverpool right now are the team that could... I'm not saying they're going to win the Premier League, but I think if they can hang in there and if they can keep that defence tight, because they're a little bit like an NFL team. You know, Andrew Luck has to score 55, um, 55 points because, you know, his defence is going to let 45 go. I think Liverpool a little bit like that. No, I think you're right. And I think you know, in terms of performing perhaps above their level, Liverpool are doing that more than any other team right now. We'll just see, will they have the quality uh, over the course of the campaign? going to be a good weekend, though. Plenty of good action coming up and more to come uh, over the course of the campaign. Thanks very much to uh, Rebecca Lowe uh, of NBC for joining us earlier on. And thanks to my co-host, the soccer diva, Sophie Nicola. We have a book to give away from Sophie's chat uh, earlier in the season with Steve Nicol. Tell us a little bit about it in 15 seconds so well stevie nickel was very very kind to give us a cop two copies of his book and um, we're going to give them away so what we're going to do martin is if anyone tweets us and uh, tells us when stevie nickel scored his first goal for liverpool uh, then we will hand out his autobiography five league titles and a packet of crisps how about that for a title love it all right, good stuff. Well, uh, hit us up on Twitter and uh, you'll be in the running for one of those two books. I'm amazed that Sophie didn't keep one of them uh, to one side for my Christmas present, but there you go. Loyalty isn't everything in modern football. He is going to sign them too. They're going to be signed. So LFC fans out there should hit us up on Facebook and on Twitter. All right, good stuff. Uh, me on Twitter at MRogersUSAT and Sophie on Twitter at Soccer Diva. On behalf of both of us, thanks for joining us and we'll see you soon.